Sammy. And this is the Holistic Heart Podcast, the place for all things therapy and mental health. We know navigating the human experience can be as challenging as it is beautiful. So we wanted to create a space where we can dive deep into self-exploration, normalize the struggle, and hold space for hard topics and conversations. We are so excited to have you join us on this journey. Welcome to the Holistic Heart Podcast. I'm Sammy and I'm here with Kristen. Oh, hey. (laughs) And today we are going to kind of in follow up to our previous episode. I know that we had noted this on our last episode about codependency. We're going to continue this exploration and take a little bit of a deeper dive around the concept of regulating others' emotions and feelings in order to regulate yourself. Mm-hmm. It happens something, so much. <laughs> so much. I was just gonna say something that is like everybody experiences this, everybody does it. And it's why we felt that it was such an important topic to continue to explore and certainly um deserves its own episode for that exploration. And we didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about it last time, but I do think it's something that really is like a um a huge part of codependency in and of itself. Yeah. And when I was thinking about us sort of picking that concept up and giving it its own episode, um, and I was, you know, sort of listening back to what we talked about last time on our codependency episode, it certainly is a big part of codependency. Um, and it also, I think just to be super clear, I don't think it has to be codependency when like this. So this is something that can happen even out like it certainly can be an aspect of codependency and it also can happen sort of outside of the context of codependency. Um, and I notice it with people who like feel things deeply or maybe identify as highly sensing or very empathic. Um, and so there, like, there can be that component of it as well. So I think the where it's coming from can be lots of different places per use, right? Like, I feel like we say that in every episode because we're yes. so, like, humans are so dynamic. The behavior is uh, so sort of layered with where it's coming from. Like one behavior could be coming from a multitude of different origin places, even within ourselves, right? Like where it's like, sometimes I'm doing this because of this. And sometimes I'm doing that same thing because of something else, right? And so uh, I think probably today we'll get into all the different yeah. Things that can contribute and places it could be coming from. Yes. Well, and that those, those places, those, um, like motivators almost for these different behaviors can be coming certainly from conscious places, but oftentimes are coming from subconscious unconscious places too. So what I'm hearing a lot of like what you're talking about too, is the intention behind things can change so much. And sometimes we now, I'm not going to say sometimes most of the time we have multiple different intentions too, and some that we're aware of and some that we may not even be aware of that mm-hmm. are at play. And I think that these are things unconscious and subconscious elements can certainly often be at play when we're talking about this regulation piece 
um, specifically regulating other people in order to regulate ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing I want to offer around this is like, what are we even talking about? I think just an example and illustration um, is helpful when we're talking about these kind of abstract concepts. Um, although I'm sure if you're listening, you've had this experience, then you're maybe possibly nodding along with, oh yeah, I recognize that. But just in case you don't, you know, have you ever offered someone, um, you know, like said something or um, offered like your thoughts about something and you watch or set a boundary perhaps and you watch their response and you can feel there's like discord has like arisen, right? Like you're like whether or not they're willing to uh, explicitly voice that is another thing entirely. Um, but if we can get a sense that like, uh-oh, that like maybe landed in a way that didn't feel good for this other person or they they received it in a way that now there's like um some type of contrast happening between right. the two of us right mm -hmm. and i feel that and i want to backpedal i want mm -hmm. to make sure that either i try to take it back or i smooth it over or i um explain and try to like uh, or apologize, right? Whether or not I really mean it to try to decrease the discomfort state in you so that I can decrease the discomfort state in me as a response. Mm -hmm. That also, I'm talking about it in the context of like an interaction, but it also can be like your partner comes home and they're in a bad fucking mood from something else, right? Like right, right. anything that you just did, they walk in the house and you're like, ah, oh, I feel you like not feeling great. And I can like yes. feel it and it's throwing my mood off. And like, I want you to feel quote unquote better, whatever that is. And so I like try to do things that will improve your feeling state in my opinion, mm -hmm. so that I don't have to feel what you're feeling because I'm picking up what you're putting down over here. And yes. like, I don't really want to be. So those are just like two, I think really common ways that this can show up where we start to feel that like, you know, empathic resonance of like, oh, I can feel what you've got going on. And like, I don't like the way it feels. Right. When we spoke to this point a bit last episode, but like what I'm hearing coming through this too, is like when you're talking about the motivation, let's say to try to regulate someone else's behavior or feelings in order to regulate your, yourself and your own feelings is that it can come from like what I just heard. Let's say your significant other walks in the door and the mood immediately, you feel the shift, you feel it, something's going on. Maybe they had a whole day at work, right? Um, and in that example, you're feeling that you feel it, but you also care about this person. You don't want them to be feeling it. So there can be this like dual kind of experience. Um, not that I'm speaking from experience around this at all. I've never experienced that. No, obviously us have, but um, there can be that dual experience of, I care about this person. I don't want them to feel this way. It makes me sad to feel this way. And I don't want to feel this energy mm -hmm. shitty. And I was in a good mood. So I'm going to try to do whatever to try to change this. And although that can be coming from a really caring place, it's also not entirely fair. Right. So even it, it can be really caring to say like, Hey, like what's going on? You know, how was your day asking about that, but to try to change someone else's emotions, maybe they need to be in that space. Mm -hmm. And that's where, um, 
I'm probably getting a little ahead of ourselves here, but like where we can talk about like boundaries and understanding the differentiation between the two. And this, you know, I'm talking about, let's say a reflective experience or something that you may be able to resonate with as you're hearing this. But when you're in the moment, sometimes it's harder to identify, oh, I, I want them to feel better because it's also making me uncomfortable versus I want them to feel better because I want them to feel better. Mm-hmm. And sitting with yourself and becoming aware of this, even just listening to this podcast right now, I'm sure that each and every one of you is thinking about some kind of memory or experience that may be resonant with this and identifying that awareness within those experiences and being real with yourself. Like what, where's my intention here? What is it before saying if it's quote unquote, right or wrong, I think is really an important part of meeting yourself when you're identifying when this pattern of um, regulating others to regulate yourself is at play. Mm-hmm. And it can be so um, challenging, like you're speaking to, to recognize perhaps in the moment um, where it's coming from. And even if you can't in the moment and you need to just like uh, give yourself some space from it in order to have that type of perspective, I do think something that's helpful, regardless of whether it's to make you feel better or whether it's to make the other person feel better. Ultimately, I think the challenge with either of those intentions is like, we might need to feel like the person might need to feel what they're feeling, like you said, Sammy. So even if it is a more perhaps altruistic, uh, you know, intention of like caring about this person and wanting to support them, there's still space for like, is that really what's needed? Is that really for them or is that for you to feel better that they feel better right like it's like do they need to be in a different place than maybe you would like to see them in or it's hard for you to see them in the place that they're in but it doesn't mean that that's not the place where they are or need to be and so I think um, this is something that I also I really took away from there's not a lot that I really took away from um some of the more like traditional schooling that I got, but this one uh, example was really uh, like sat with me um, where in one of my like process classes, they were talking about how really well-intentioned individuals and clinicians can like offer something that feels like it's intended to be supportive, but it ends up being dismissive, like Mm -hmm. a hand on the shoulder or a statement like, that's okay. It's okay. You're going to be okay. Or something like that. Right. Like we say these things to be like reassuring, but the effect can be like, I think of like, if someone, if I'm crying and someone puts their hand on my shoulder, the impact that I feel is like, stop crying. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, stop crying. Like I, and I'll feel like an internalized pressure to like be somewhere other than where I am because I can now like sense that this person is uncomfortable with my feeling state. Right. Like, and so even if we're really wanting to help someone, you know, feel better if we, because we love them or we care about them, um, Mm -hmm. that might not be the the most loving thing to do. So no matter what the intention is or where it's coming from, you know, remembering that space to feel all kinds of different feelings is important. I think. Absolutely. Yes. Well, and to know that like others are entitled to feel how they're feeling and I mean, let's be honest, of course, it's going to impact how you're feeling, but that doesn't mean that it is your job to regulate. And sometimes it's about like, okay, so in that moment, once you determine that, how can you sit with and 
support yourself. And the reason I start to bring this up is I think it's important while we're talking about this to also explore where these patterns can start because maybe, you know, it's not starting again. I think like what you said at the beginning, this isn't just, it doesn't have to just be a codependency thing. I think a part of this is a human nature thing and it's a, an empathy and that compassion. And also it can come from and be developed through other patterns of interaction that we learn and we learn how to get needs met in effective or ineffective adaptive or maladaptive ways. And I think this is another way that that can start to um, come up for us. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because I was thinking about that um, as you were speaking earlier is this concept of what kept coming to mind was like um, the potential for self-abandonment, which I think we can talk about a little bit more, but in, in relation to what you were just sharing, um, I'm thinking about the life experiences that we've had and how sometimes, um, just like Sammy's saying, sometimes it's human nature. Sometimes it's like the fact that we have mirror neurons. And so we're like, we're attending to how the other person's feeling and we're um, anticipating what might be happening for them and all of that stuff. That's part of our nature and also part of our nurture or our conditioning or our learning growing up may have been it not for everybody but for some people it might have included needing to smooth things over for safety for emotional safety sometimes for physical safety right so it can feel like oh no if there's contrast if there's that discord if i'm starting to feel tension or uh, discomfort that means like something bad is coming, right? Right. Like it could be a memory if you have any type of trauma or just challenging early life experiences that might have created or just unhealthy family dynamics even where it's like uh, expected that you care. And this is that codependent piece again, right? Like you care for others before yourself, right? Like, so if you are now hyper attuning to how others are feeling and, and you might have been explicitly or implicitly taught that that is your responsibility, Mm -hmm. that you do need to make sure that that other person is feeling okay. And that you, uh, and you might either consciously know that, or you're, you might unconsciously and somatically know sense this is starting to get to a place that has meant danger in the past. Absolutely. Well, and that's why I think this can be a really challenging thing to sit with for yourself. And I know holding space for clients around this concept, it's hard because, you know, you can even knowing this and knowing we were going to talk about it and everything, I can think back to my own family dynamics in different instances when you still feel that like, oh, I'm supposed to do something about this. I'm supposed to make it better or worse or whatever the case may be to regulate the situation. Because that, like you were saying, that discomfort can um, sometimes allude to lack of safety. And I like, that's a role that I've taken, let's say in my family or in this relationship. And so I've seen when holding space for clients, there be this like, yeah, this is all great and everything, but this is what I'm supposed to do. And there is this, um, like, uh, barrier sometimes that can come up and it, it can be really challenging. And it's why this part of it, I think is so important to start to explore and, um, 
like peel back the layers of for yourself, especially if, as you're listening to this, you're identifying it and you're noticing like, wow, this is maybe something that's coming up in a lot of different dynamics, um, a lot of different relationships, even if it's not something that's reminiscent, perhaps when Kristen was talking about that just now, there is a particular familial relationship or relationship in your past or your childhood that kind of came up and was um, sticking with you that really felt similar to what she was describing. But maybe you're noticing some of the other patterns are coming up in a very different relationship dynamic, one that feels very different from that. And I, I bring that up because since we are such intricate and abstract beings, these patterns can come up and show themselves in so many different ways. So it doesn't have to be something where it's um, like carbon copy, or like you said that like the mirror neurons that come up can start to really be um, like triggered. External things can trigger internal experiences that maybe don't look exactly like you've experienced them in the past in the current state. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. And I think it's really um, important to look at it. Like hopefully um, at this point, it's not a matter of safety anymore, right? Like often, you know, like, especially if we're talking about early life experiences, we just have less agency and autonomy when we're younger, right? We're at the mercy of the adults around us by nature of being dependent. And so, hopefully from this place, if you're listening and you're, you're feeling that familiar feeling of like, oh, I need to regulate this. I don't feel I'm not going to be okay unless this person is okay. Um, then hopefully that is exactly what Sammy is speaking to, which is like a trigger event like that. Oh, that feeling is familiar in my body, mm -hmm. but the circumstances are actually different, right? Like, so I'm not in that original situation or situations that are causing this response in me that sort of conditioned this response in me. Now I'm in a different situation. And like, how do we assess the situation at hand for what it is. How do we get our ourselves to a place of being present with the actual and not the memory of or the projection of right past experiences? And so it gets really complex. But I think what I sort of think of immediately, and I'm I'm thinking of a small offshoot. I'll say around like attachment stuff and anxious attachment um, that I think can show up here, but I'm just going to want, I want to put a pin in that and maybe pick it back up. Um, but I do feel like where we are in the place of like, what do we do if we notice this is something that's happening and we are in actually a safe relationship or a safe circumstance. Um, and we're not needing to do it in the way that our body remembers needing to do it. Um, then I think that to me is like where we start to, and I'm totally open to your thoughts on this, Sammy, mm -hmm. uh, but I think that's where we start to practice distress tolerance. That's where like oh, yeah. when that discomfort comes up, I think most people I'll say certainly for myself, the first thing I want to do is make my, that not <laughs> like, I just, yeah. like, I'm, I feel uncomfortable. I would like to not feel uncomfortable. So if the shortest uh, avenue to not uncomfortable is to like, make you feel better and then everything's all smooth 
Or if I know there's like, I don't know, say like, for example, this didn't actually happen, but say, for example, Sammy said to me this morning, oh, I need to talk to you later. Like, you know, those like the words that like everyone is like anxious, uh, like I need yeah. to talk to you, right? Like, it's like, so then if I had that like sort of uncomfortable feeling in my stomach around that, right? Like if I started to feel like, oh, oh there's distress starting to build, my sort of maybe uh, immediate response might be to be like, okay, let's talk about it right now. Like, what, what is it? Tell me, like, I just want to like smooth it out, figure it out, right? Like yeah. if, if that wasn't possible and or not the best uh, thing because we're not in the best place to talk about it right at this moment or whatever it is, how do I take care of me around feeling that distress until we have the conversation or maybe after the conversation, depending <laughs> on what that's about, right? Like, right. Uh, and so how do we regulate ourselves rather than doing this by like de detour to like regulate someone else so that we can feel regulated? How do we go right to the source and start to work with the, the discomfort that's coming up in our own body? And how do we sit and be with it so that we can make more informed, intentional decisions? Yes. No, I absolutely agree. And something that I just kind of heard reflected in what you were saying is, we can't actually regulate ourselves by regulating other people's feelings right. and emotions. We can feel more regulated, let's say, but that actually is like, it's a construct. We literally can't do that. That's not what you're doing when you're doing that. It feels like it. And that's not to say it doesn't feel better. Right. And it's so funny because as you're saying this, I absolutely just had that experience about something with a family member of mine recently. And like, you're saying it and I'm like, I can feel the anxiety coming up, even though I've, I've had the conversation and it was like, not about anything bad at all. Right. And I, I built it up, but even you saying that I can start to feel that and I can start to feel the, the distress that can come up. And I totally agree that it's first and foremost, you like being able to be aware of that, that is a strength recognizing the fact that, Oh, I know it doesn't feel great. It doesn't always feel like, Oh, I feel so strong and anxious right now. Right. But being able to be aware of it, I think is the first step because otherwise what the fuck are you going to do about it? If you can't identify what's coming up for you and perhaps where you're feeling it in your body and what's, um, how it's presenting and manifesting for you in your experience. It's so valuable as we always sort of go back to, I feel like that self-awareness piece, but I do think, and this is where I think therapy can be really helpful um, in a lot of ways, but I think in, in sort of pausing and identifying some of these things, because when we're heightened, emotionally heightened like that, or charged or dysregulated, it's not like we're thinking with the most productive aspect though. Like, you know, it's not like right. our functioning is like uh, top notch, right? Like, so we are often incredibly unaware of what's happening from trigger to uh, sort of impulsive behavior in an attempt to regulate. We're not even usually aware that regulating is what we're trying to do with what we're doing, right? Like, mm -hmm. and so being able to pause and sort of separate out these, all these points at which different things are happening for us give us more clarity around where we might pause or where we might be able to intervene or sort of like put a break in the cycle of like oh I you know I have this compulsion to do this thing 
you know, whenever X, Y, or Z happens, we might not know exactly what that is about for us. And so, you know, therapy or a supportive other, someone like to talk through what, what you've got going on. I think a lot of times an objective perspective can be helpful Mm -hmm. in like identifying those things because it happens so quickly in an internal way. It can feel like it goes from zero to a hundred with no numbers in between, but they, mm-hmm. like Sammy says to me, like there are numbers in between, right? Like, like you yes. blown through them, but there were, they were there. Um, and so mm-hmm. we can subjectively experience it as like a switch flip, but it's not. And there are like things that are happening in between if we can slow ourselves down and get curious about it. Yeah. This is also making me think of, I am racking my brain to try to remember what episode I talked about this in specifically. I think it was the mind body episode, but the somatic tracking check-in exercise, why things like that are so important. Because if you notice, I noticed I didn't verbalize this explicitly, but a lot of what I'm referring to when I say feelings, like you know, you're uncomfortable because you're physically feeling that these emotional experiences that we described, they're physiological sensations that we're experiencing also. So that's where the somatic tracking, that somatic awareness, that awareness of the physical sensation that you experience, the exercise around like being able to check in and just notice how you're feeling at any point during the day can help you become more in tune with these things that we're talking about, like that internal distress, because that's where I think it's like, you can understand, oh, I'm feeling uncomfortable, but to be able to really hone in deepen your awareness around that. And then like what Kristen was saying, have a space, a safe space, a space container to be able to process through what that experience is like and receive like, um, feedback or just other perspective around what that could be telling you, because our bodies are always in communication with us. And if something's coming up for you, with any kind of situation, being able to turn inwards and connect with your body can be such a helpful tool. And if you hear, it's like, there's this underlying theme through everything that we, everything that we talk about in general, but specifically today, when you're talking about regulation, you know, when you need to do that, because feeling dysregulated is a physiological sensation. It is a physiological experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that we, because it's such a, I'll say for myself, like an intense physiological experience, it feels kind of urgent, right? Like, and I think that's the, where the impulsivity can come in, where it's like, this, I'm, this seems to not be, just go away. (laughs) Yeah. Like this is not okay. Right. Like, so we identify through this sort of self-awareness piece through tracking, through noticing our sensations. And then it's like, what do we do with that? So if we know, okay, I'm uncomfortable. I'm starting to feel dysregulated by whatever contrast is happening in my environment, whether it's between me and a person Mm -hmm. that I care about or whatever it is, I'm starting to feel dysregulated in relation to that. I can feel myself. Maybe if I have the like, um, bandwidth or the awareness or the practice, I might feel myself wanting to reach out and do something outside Mm -hmm. of myself to regulate this feeling that's happening internally. And that's my opportunity. Like, so what do I do with that instead? So if we're saying we like trying to regulate someone else is not really an effective way to actually regulate yourself and can be disempowering to the other, I would argue is often disempowering to the other person um, and takes away their agency and how they're feeling. 
what do we do instead? How do we practice being with ourselves in that like uncomfortable place? And I, you know, for myself, I have to slow it down to like minute by minute. Like if the distress is particular, it depends, right? Like there's different levels of distress. I think, um, that we feel in different, based on our own histories and our own uh, triggers and all that stuff. And so maybe, you know, uh, maybe a small conflict with a coworker doesn't impact you in the same way as like a large argument with your romantic relationship partner, right? Like maybe there's different levels of distress and what you need to do. But when I feel really highly distressed, I have to slow it down to like one minute. <laughs> like, what am I going to yeah. do in this minute? Like, I cannot think about what am I going to do for the next three days until I see this part? Like, no, no, that feels way too big. Um, and I don't have the capacity for it. So it's just, how am I going to get through the next moment? And then the next one, and then the next one, I often try to focus on comfort for myself. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell myself that I'm going to not feel how I feel because that would be a lot for between me and me. That would be untrue. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to feel, I'm going to continue to feel uncomfortable. So how do I just be gentle with me? How do I be soft toward myself, comfort myself while I'm in this hard place? Mm -hmm. um, and that can look like a myriad of things. It can look like a cup of tea. It can look like some time outside. It can look like snuggling my dog. And, and sometimes it can look like low levels of distraction. Maybe I hop online to just get my mind off of it for a few minutes or my, one of my favorites is reading like a fictional story. Yes. Just go yep. somewhere else entirely until we have the opportunity to address this more directly, right? Like, but so I'm wondering, Sammy, are those similar ways for you? Do you have any other things that you do when you're practicing being with the discomfort? Yeah, no, those are being with my dog is one of my number one. Um, but the reminder that this is not something I have to, I don't have to do something about it, which to me translates, like, I don't have to make this go away. Right. What can I do? And I'm just hearing the whole concept of the both. And which is that in and of itself, reminding myself of, I can hold the duality. And honestly, I can hold the plurality of these different experiences. I can both be like, wow, this is this is just stressing in this moment and it's uncomfortable and I can drink this really delicious cup of lavender tea or this bowl of ice cream and that's enjoyable. And this doesn't feel great. And I can feel really sad and cry it out and also like lean into the emotion because, and, and maybe this is more of like my experience, but I have the tendency to either like to, to, to try to feel better, to do something, um, to distract in like, a maladaptive way of distracting, I would say. It's so more like pushing it down. And so rather than doing that, even just giving myself the option to say, Hey, I can jump full on into this if I want to, and I don't have to. Right. And for me, that can be just that like, okay, so I, I have the option of doing that. I also have the option of just like honoring and holding it and acknowledging it. Because to me, the, the doing of the distracting in terms of like pushing it down that, I think natural like repression that oftentimes we've been conditioned around or choosing to suppress it, we invalidate it. So to me, I know for myself, like I'm a big, like I love external validation and that internal validation of just like, wow, you're feeling this. I see you, I recognize you and just sitting with 
And sometimes I will do that by just placing my hand over my heart. And I will do that even if it's, um, if I'm having a conversation with someone or even sitting with a client and we're all humans, things can come up. We can feel those things within us and to be able to place your hand on your heart or, you know, identify some form of connection within yourself to know, Hey, I'm here. I'm honoring this. Would it be appropriate for me to be like, Oh, I need to talk about what's coming up for me personally while I'm sitting with the client. No. Right. (laughs) But to be able to hold the space for, and not just say, well, Sammy, that part of you is not welcome here. Go away. We're not going to deal with you at all. That's not effective either. So being able to just kind of acknowledge and know, Hey, I, I see you. I notice you. And I think sometimes that can be really profound to know I don't have to do anything necessarily. I don't have to like do the action piece. I can just be in this. Mm. That was a super long-winded answer to your question. No, but. No, no, but I love it so much. I love the like putting your hand on your heart and like validating yourself and seeing yourself where you are. Like those are the healing things that others can offer us. And we forget that we can offer it to ourselves. Um And I was thinking as you were speaking about that, like, um, you know, there have been times where I felt high levels of distress that I would, you know, be like sobbing or whatever. And then like, just focus on my breathing. And I know like, if anyone's like eye rolling, I've been there with the like, like breath work stuff where people like, I do not tell me to take a deep breath. And like, (laughs) I get it. Um, and also like, I just find that like, that's sometimes for myself, that's all I have access to. Like, I don't have the cognitive capacity to like go beyond, like, it's just like, I'm here and I'm breathing and that's like the best I can do right now. And if I can extend my exhale a little bit and try to induce a relaxation response, in my body that will help, right? Like, because yes. there's also that central nervous system regulation, right? Like yeah. we're moving into that fight or flight space. So if we can settle the body that signals to the mind, right? And it works together um, as we know. So, yes. you know, that's something else that I, I have. That asked. I think is such a good reminder to specifically what you just said, because yeah, like when I'm in that space and I'm like, just breathe, there's that like, inner adolescent Sammy. That's like, what the hell is this going to be able to do right. anything about? And on an emotional side, like, yeah, yeah, totally. And guess what? We don't get to decide if on the physiological side, it's like not going to help. It just is, it is going to help to regulate that central nervous system. So to be able to say like, all right, I'm not trying to do that on this side. I just know that I'm going to meet my body where it's at right now and help to like, um, create some support there. That's been a helpful it's a little tangential, but I, I think that that's a really helpful reframe around the concept of using breath work as a way to support yourself. Mm. And right. I mean, that is a form of regulation right there. Right. Right. And that's like a, like genuine regulation. Like we're <laughs> right. Like exactly. Regulating the central nervous system. So that's like really, and, and it's, I don't know. Um, but I see like, if I see someone who's like really heavily sobbing or crying, like you can see them trying to work with their breath. Like it's mm-hmm. like, okay, you're just trying to take a deep breath, trying to like, you know, and it's like something that we do intuitively because it's right there, right? It's like, it's like, that's what one of the things that we have immediate access to. And sometimes like, like I was saying baseline access to, like I don't have a whole lot more <laughs> that I can access in that moment. 
but I can, you know, like I can be with my breath because that's right yes. here. And I, I thought of it because of your hand on your heart, actually. Yes. Yeah. Well, and you know, as you're saying this, I'm also thinking about, I was recently getting a tattoo and I was laying on, um, the chair thing and I started like realizing like, oh, wow, my anxiety is like out of nowhere. Like it had been, it, it had already been started and everything. I'm sitting there listening to some music and all of a sudden I'm like, why is this happening? And I start to realize I literally haven't been breathing. When was the last time I took a deep breath? And so I think like on the flip side of that, sometimes we can, um, like those states of distress can also be our body communicating that we're not breathing in the way that we need to. So to understand the depth of regulation that we can get just from our breath, it can also like the lack of breathing, obviously we, it's a pretty important part of living. So when we're not, um, able to access that, looking at that as like a basic need, like, like really kind of, um, checking in with your body and noticing, have I been breathing? Mm -hmm. Is that what's going on? Is that something that's contributing to some of the emotional, maybe not the emotional response, but the physical response that you're experiencing in response to that? Right. Like if we had a strong emotion, we might tighten our body. We might start to hold our breath or start breathing shallowly. And then that creates a physiological distress. And so then we, everything's sort of we know connected, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so, uh, and if you're going to try a breath for self-regulation, just like, I think the easiest thing to think of when you're in a state of distress is just a longer exhale. Like Mm -hmm. just, if you can make your exhale a little longer, we try for double, but if you're in a place where you're not like, so if you like breathe in for two counts, you would breathe out for four. If you're in a place where like, you're not counting shit, that's totally fine. Just like, like, all right, I'm just going to try to extend my exhale. Like, that's really like what I want, extended exhale, like just a little bit longer um, because that's the part of the breath that induces the, um, so the inhales, the energizing, and then the exhale is the relaxation. Um, It it induces that relaxation response um, in the central nervous system. So when we elongate it, we sort of elongate that response and give ourselves a little more time in that place before we take the next energizing breath. So just a little note, if you're going to use that, uh, that's one way to work (laughs) with it. I think getting into, you know, there's lots of really beautiful breath work, but I feel like when you're in that heightened place, like there is no, unless you know, you've practiced these things in and out, your body has memory of them. Like we're not accessing that in that moment. It's like important to be like super simple. What can I do for myself? Just remembering, oh, right. I'm breathing. That's something that's happening and bringing your attention to it. Yeah. And I love, uh, the hand on the heart too. I think like, just like that sense of offering support and comfort to yourself is so beautiful also. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that I had mentioned and said to put a pin in like the anxious attachment. I want to circle back to it super quick. I'm not going to speak to it with any length, but I will say our attachment styles play into this, um, where if we feel like we are going to lose love or lose relationship, um, it does make it a little, the distress higher and it does make disengaging from trying to regulate someone else a little bit more challenging. I think it adds a layer of like um, abandonment fears and withdrawal of love that can add to the complexity of how this shows up for people. So I'm not going to talk too much about that. I just wanted to name that because if you are like, I 
can't do this. <laughs> like, uh, I would, you can, I will offer you that you can. And also if it's really, really challenging, I can understand that also. And so there is another layer um, around attachment and experiences with attachment and security and relationships that can also um, contribute to distress around, around this that leads to like that impulse. Well, and Kristen, I think what you're speaking to lends itself to something that we could spend multiple episodes talking about. And I know that it's something that we've planned and it's on the docket to talk about attachment styles, because you're right that, that, that they play so deeply into the patterns that we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll get that. We'll get that going for you all. Uh, if it's something that you really want to hear, let us know. Um, and we'll try to bump it up on the list. Um, but yeah, does this feel like an okay place? It does. Yeah. I feel like this has been a very rich discussion today. (laughs) (laughs) Always, Sammy, always. (laughs) All right. Well, we, uh, you know, appreciate you listening and hope that you got something valuable out of it. Take good care of you. Um, Know that you have within you the resources that you need um, and that you can offer that beautiful support that you probably are so good at offering to others, to yourself. Um, And I would sort of encourage you to play with that invitation this week. How can I show up for myself? Um, And we'll talk to you next week. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.